We've all been hurt. We all carry scars. We can all overcome these things and be healed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's build that relationship together right here. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sanctuary. So good to have you here with us as always. And to those of you who are new, welcome. Thank you for joining us. So, you know, sometimes it is tough. Uh, It is just really tough to remember that there's still hope out there for all of us. Times get tough. Life gets tough. And we focus on all those things that are happening around us or to us or to those that we know and we love. We've all been guilty of this. It happens. You know, it's not like our, our favorite stories out there where the hero's going up against all the odds and in the end, we know they're going to succeed. Uh, you know what? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, uh, TV, movies. If you listen to old time radio programs, yes, you can still find them. Uh, you know, thank thank the internet for that. You know, um, even books. You know, one of my favorite book series is from the science fiction genre. Uh, you know, it, it's it revolves around a, a character who prefers hot cocoa over coffee. You know, they've, they've, they've been up and down and around military rank structure, forced into politics that they never wanted. And, you know, unlike various characters and heroes in the media and, you know, the most popular of, uh, you know, the, the genres, uh, you know, this character is really easy to relate to because of their various frustrations The various obstacles that they have to overcome just in their life, um, the various injuries that they sustain, um, you know, things that from minor to downright life altering. And I I truly mean that, you know, and and something, you know, that's that's something that many of us who have served in the military and as first responders, you know, can relate to. However, in the end, we know that these made up characters are going to win. And of course, you know, by default, they're doing their job. And, you know, part of the entertainment value is masses are going to be saved because of it. You know, however, our own lives, well, let's face it, it's a bit harder to see when it comes to our own lives. You know, God God is there. And, And the hope that we have because of it is still there. And we see this throughout the Bible. Now, you know, if you go back to our Reluctant Leader series, you know, I, I talk about a lot of these things, um, and it's from one end all the way to the next. You know, that's that's, that's one of the big focuses of, of the Bible is, you know, that hope that we have, um, you know, in, in Jesus. Um, however, for today, we're going to focus on Joseph. This is someone that we know a lot about. Um, and of course, for today, I'm going to take a little different route. You know, usually we go through and it's verse by verse. We're, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a different style of preaching at you today. All right, um, a little different for some of you. You might like this. Some of you, well, you might not, but that's okay because we have a lot to go through real quick, and you're gonna understand why I do this very soon. All right, so we're actually gonna go all the way back to the beginning of our books, and we're going to crack open Genesis, and we're going to start in Genesis 37. All right, and we're, we're going to go through a few chapters here. So in Genesis 37, we see Joseph's beginning. In verses 1 through 4, we learn that he was a Canaanite. 
He was about 17 years old. And even though he was the youngest child, he was still his father's favorite son. His father even went so far as to have a special robe made for him. Now, back in these days, robes were very common. And they served a multitude of purposes, very similar to uh, you know kilts. Those of you who you know follow uh, Celtic uh, trends and fashions, uh, I think we're all familiar with the kilt, especially like the great kilt. Um, even today, we have certain garments that are made to multitask, right? Uh, but robes back then, you know, they they were everything from very bland to very elaborate, depending on a person's position and wealth and all that. They were short sleeved, typically, um, you know. And, and like I said, they, they they served a lot of purposes, from cradling to carrying to protecting the the wearer, all sorts of stuff, you know. And because Joseph was his father's favorite, his brothers were extremely jealous to the point that they were hateful of him. Now, this is something that we can all relate to, isn't it? Not necessarily with our siblings, but with coworkers and acquaintances, you know, depending on your age and where you're at in life, maybe other students, you know, none of us are ever going to be able to please everyone. It just will not happen. As much as we, we want to, as much as we might try, we won't befriend everybody. Popularity you know, this is one of those things, it may come easy for some, but for the vast you know, majority of us, for many of us, it's, it's going to be very elusive. You know, the, the term people like to use these days is haters gonna hate, you know, just a way to kind of boost themselves up, you know, like, like okay, yeah, they're, they, they're, you know, haters just gonna hate, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all that and bag of chips, whatever, you know. Other times, you know, our hardships, they come in the form of other difficulties in life, you know, like that, that car that breaks down. That's something I'm dealing with personally myself right now. Um, you know, or, uh, that, that leaky roof that the landlord just can't seem to get fixed regardless of how many different people or how many different companies they call and have come out and they're like, Oh yeah, it's good. And it just keeps on leaking, you know, or various other things in life. You know, we, 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 we have them, you know what I'm talking about, All right? To make matters worse, Verses 5 through 11 here, Joseph in his own immaturity, you know, and this is something that comes with age, it happens, he shared a dream that he had. And this was a dream that spoke of a future to come where he'd be in a great position of leadership. Now, this was the tipping point for his brothers. They mocked him. They plotted against him at this point, you know, um, Whatever, you know, it's just a bad situation. He had a very hostile home life. Now, maybe he only meant to share this vision he had, or maybe he was bragging, you know? Either way, it doesn't matter, because the way his brothers looked at it was that he was being boastful. And let me remind you, nobody likes a braggart. Nobody likes a braggart. Even his father told him, dude, you need to keep this stuff to yourself. You know, a hard lesson was coming because of this. So life was already hard for him. And he's already kind of struggling, you know. He's, he kept getting pushed down to the bottom of the, of the barrel, so to speak. You know, he was fa- facing these challenges very early on, as we all do. Um, and, and like many of us at that age, 
he didn't really seem to have a filter either, did he? You know, if something was on his mind, like this dream, he shared it. It came out. Sometimes we're made aware of things. You know, it's just the, the, the things that come, you know, what, what, whether it's experience, life experience, and you know, from the things that we do and the things that we've seen, you know, or God talking to us. And, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, as much as we want to say something, sometimes it's just better that we don't, you know, just bite that tongue. Some things are meant to be strictly between God and us individually. You see, even at this early stage, we're, we're also seeing something that we can all relate to. You know, life seems to be one struggle after another, one challenge after another. There are times when these troubles come at us rapid fire and we feel like we're drowning. Like, dude, what's going on? Holy cow. You know? Um, and, and, you know, really the, the reality of it, though, is even though we feel like we're drowning, that's never the case. And as we're going to see here, these are the building blocks upon which God uses to build us up and to empower us to do great things in his kingdom. So Joseph's brothers, they were angry, selfish, hurtful boys. You know, and, and I will say boys, because we all know people like this, you know, they're supposed to be grown men or women, you know, they're supposed to be adults, and they, they act like children regularly. You know, they, they tend to forget, you know, when I became an adult, uh, I put away childish things, you know, that, that, that whole bit right there. And, and we see it more and more so today. You know, so the, these, these boys, you know, his brothers, they came up with a plan to get rid of this hassle that they saw in their younger brother. You know, or so they thought. They thought they had this plan. They thought, okay, we, we got this. This is going to take care of the problem. So going into Genesis 37, verses 12 through 17, we see baby brother Joseph, he's been sent to help his brother. Their dad, their, you know, their dad said, hey, go help your brothers, tend to the flocks. And so he is obedient. He listened to his dad. He goes. And when he gets there, he finds the flock is scattered his brothers are nowhere to be found. So, you know, the, the flock itself, it's, it's, it's being neglected. So they're just wandering off, doing whatever. But even though he's doing what he's told, here's another challenge already presenting itself. It's like, oh, man. It's like, really? It's like one thing after another. At this point, he's probably thinking, man, we're going to get in trouble again because of these lazy bums. That's putting it nicely, right? Because typically, especially those of you who have siblings... You know, or, or the you know the that that group that you have to work with at work. Even you, you have those those uh, knuckleheads that are just always making things harder than they need to be because they're just like whatever. They're very selfish and just go about doing what they want. And you're like, how does this guy even have a job, right? So going into verses 18 through 20, we see that the fact of the matter is that it's actually much worse than this. See, he's just like, okay, my brothers are out doing whatever, and he's going to try to find them. However. The reality is his brothers are actually talking about killing him. How to stage it, set it up. It's straight up premeditated. And can you imagine hating someone so much that you want them dead? I mean, sometimes, you know, we say it, but I mean, to actually mean it seems a bit extreme, doesn't it? However, when we look at the news, 
it's really not that extreme. And just here in Albuquerque in the past you know a few years, how many road rage incidents have we had? How many shootings? How many murders have we seen? Too many. And that's just here in one small city, let alone the nation or the world. You know, and, and let alone the murders and the assaults and everything else that have come about from other things and other incidents. You know, his brothers had so much sin in their lives, so much pride and jealousy that they allowed it to harden them to the point that they were willing to take out their brother. It's going to be swimming with the fishes, right? You know, jealousy is vicious. It is vicious. It's a sin that we need to deal with within ourselves as soon as we start to recognize it. When we become angry because... You know, someone scores a point in a game that we're watching, or, you know, even if maybe if you're playing it, even, you know, some of us do go to the gym and that sort of thing and play with others or, you know, uh, the different, the various yards and parks and stuff. Um, you know, um, when you become angry because others are awarded for their efforts, um, yet yours seem to go unrecognized, or maybe they're recognized for doing something that was actually your idea, which, you know, of course, you know, we're going to get angry. Um, but, you know, when the other person gets promoted, when everybody agrees, it's really a poor choice, you know, and so on and so forth. It consumes us like a fire. Matter of fact, it's even the term that we use is like, you know, seeing fire, you know, hot, right? And that fire is where we're going to find ourselves if we don't get the, this thing under control and get it in check. After all, we are called to love our neighbor. We're called to love one another. That's pretty hard to do when you're filled with anger and hate so much, you know, the, these these sins that come with jealousy. You can't hate someone and love them. You can be frustrated with them, sure. But you can't hate someone and love them at the same time. And we are called to love. Now, Moving along here into verses 21 through 36, things are picking up speed and they're going quick. I mean, we're talking breakneck speed. Well, check this out. So, you know, all this talk is going on. At least one other brother, Reuben, you know, he realized, you know what? Killing him is probably not the best option. Right? So like, let's talk about this. So instead of killing him, they took Joseph and they threw him in a cistern. Now, a cistern, as we see here, basically it's a pit that was used for water collection. Uh, we, we still have type uh, cisterns today, but they're, they're more of uh, actual, um, you know, uh, containers and all that are used for this um, type of thing. Now, the brothers, you know, they, they left him here. They, they basically, he's, he's trapped. He's jailed. It's like he's been locked in a closet, right? Uh, matter of fact, we, I, you know, even recently I heard some, uh, heard them talking about this girl that was locked in a closet that, uh, you know, had been found and everything. You know, this is a horrible thing. You know, they're imprisoned by the ones that you love. And they, they leave him there and they start having a meal and talking about how to best get rid of him. You know, they're sitting there, they're eating and like, you know what, hey, you know, I, I don't really want to have to deal with the guilt of killing him, let alone, you know, have, have the, the blood of his death on my hands. Uh, there, we, there, there's got to be another option here. So... There were some merchants that were coming through, and after Reuben had, had had left before he returned, the rest of the brothers decided, you know what? 
let's just sell them to these merchants. Let's just sell them. We'll sell them, and that'll be done. It'll be done. So Joseph here, he's been bullied by his own family. He's been tortured by his own family, and then he's been imprisoned in a pit. Now, the things that are going on in his mind at this point, think about it. These are the things of sheer terror, absolute horror. Only it was his actual life. He was living this hell. You know, and in life, you go through challenges. You go through ups, you go through downs. And, and sometimes they feel like they just go on forever, don't they? Or you just, you don't see how you're going to get through it. But then eventually you get through it and you get a, you get a reprieve for a moment. And then you end up going into the next challenge, the next hardship. Other times you're forced into a fight that you yourself feel like you, you, you're not prepared for. You haven't been prepared for, um, you know, you didn't even know it was coming and, and you're just taking hit after hit after hit, just bam, 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 right? You know, when it rains, it pours, you know, and poor Joseph, this dude, he's getting rocked. I just absolutely rocked, you know, a left, a right, a hook, a jab, a uppercut, they're just coming and he's just taking them all, you know, but just like Joseph, even when it happens in our own lives, God is taking something horrible that's happening in our lives and he's using it as a tool. He's using it for good. You see, God was allowing this to happen because he, he was already in the process of working to start to try building him up and to start molding him into the person he would become. We're going to see a bit more of that here in just a moment. Okay? Now, at this point, Joseph, he's just property. Plain and simple, he's been property. And to make it worse, he's been sold to a group of merchants who then turned around and sold him again to the captain of Pharaoh's guard in Egypt. All right. Now, we're going to skip over Genesis 38 because we, um, we're focused on Joseph. So join me now, um, you know, in uh, Genesis 39 now. So in Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 6, at this point now, Joseph is now the servant of Potiphar. Potiphar is a wealthy officer. You know, be, being the captain of the guard, he, he's a, he's a, he was the modern day equivalent of a general, basically. He was a general. You know, he was high up there. He was way up the ladder. He had the riches, you know, and, and the, you know, the, all the things that accompany that kind of position in life, you know, that the, the creature comforts the whole bit. Now, Potiphar, having earned his position, he had a keen eye, you know, and this guy, he wasn't a dummy, you know, especially being in Egypt. You know, this is a guy that we know he's educated, he's been around, he's worked and he's moved himself up. He wasn't just handed this position. All right. And he noticed something. He noticed that everything that Joseph did was absolutely awesome. You know, Joseph, he was blessed by God. Absolutely blessed. So even though he, you know, Joseph had to endure all these tragic events that, you know, that forced him into slavery. God's hand was on him. He was still guiding him. And, and so 
he he began you know this is what we call being prosperous you know he built up he was respected he was successful and potiphar recognized joseph's worth and eventually elevated him from just being a servant to being in charge of the household and then being in charge of his entire estate inside and out in the house in the fields the whole bit verse 6 goes so far as to tell us this this is what the bible says so potiphar left everything he had in joseph's care with joseph in charge he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate it's safe to say that the struggles joseph had faced had finally simmered down He'd actually been elevated at this point and had a pretty, pretty good life going at the, you know, at that moment. Things were good. You know, even as a slave, he had a good life. God had been working on him and in his life, molding him, guiding him, protecting him, and he was in a good place. In verses 7 through 23, the fight was about to take a turn, though. The fight was changing again. The game was changing. He's about to get hit hard. Right, we're, we're, we're talking one of those hard hits where he, like, he's, he's down and he's struggling to make that 10 count. All right? The Bible tells us Joseph was a good-looking guy. You know, and, and that was just on, on, top, or on top of being held in such high regard. So he's successful, he's respected, and he's a good-looking dude. You know, this was more than enough to spark the interest of Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Like she did. She straight up went in. And Joseph, he said no. He did the right thing. He said, nope. He stood up for his master. He stood up for Potiphar. It's like, no, that's not right. You know? You know, we don't know where Potiphar was. He was somewhere else at the time. He was gone. And on top of that, not only did he stand up for Potiphar, he stood up for God. He said, no, not only can I not do this, not only can I not do this for, uh, you know, to Potiphar, but I can't sin against God in such a heinous way. I can, you know, he, he, stu- he took a stand for God. Now, this, this did not deter her. She was determined. Like she, she saw what she wanted and she was going to get it. That's, that's, that's what was going on in her mind. So she tried again. At a later time. And when he said no, just happened, you know, that she had grabbed his robe and he just kept going. So she set him up. She just straight up set him up and, and, and you know, tried to turn those tables and, you know, claiming that Joseph was actually the one trying to seduce her, not the other way around. You know, she, she, she made herself the victim, right? She, she told Everybody in the household, she told her husband as well, which like most of us, you know, someone messes with your wife, you're going to start seeing that fire again, right? You're going to get enraged, you're going to, you know, downright ticked off. So Joseph, because of this and because of Potiphar's anger, well, he's back in a pit. Not, not literally this time because he's, he's sent to jail. He was locked up, you know, he's, he's knocked down pretty good. So he went from being at an elevated status to 
being right knocked right back down. You know, two steps forward, one big step back. You know, it's really easy to get caught up in it. It's real easy, you know, when, when you're down. It's so much so that we have this victim mentality that's just absolutely permeating our society these days. The whole woe is me thing. You know, we all know the song, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Yeah, you know, it's right there. The whole pity party, the wambulance. You know, we let we let these things define our lives. You know, oh, you know, this this happened to me. This sucks. You know, it shouldn't have happened. You know, um, but we shouldn't. See, what we should do is be like Joseph in chapter forty here. So, chapter forty here, here he is. He's in prison. However, again, God is still with him. God is still guiding him, and he's. Being prosperous again. He's been entrusted to take care of things. He's working in the jail. And, you know, we, we see in here, he, he actually acknowledges the fact, you know, he's innocent and he shouldn't be there. However, he does not let that define him. Instead, he focuses on the work that God's placed before him. He's taken a, uh, well, just say it, you know, downright horrible situation, just absolute garbage. But he's moving through it for good. He's working it for good. So, in the work that, in part of the work that he's put, had put placed before him, he has two jailed officials that are locked up in there. And these guys, you know, they're having dreams. They don't know what to make out of it, though. So, he talks to them. It's like, what's going on? What's troubling you? And they tell him his dreams. God gifted him, and you know, God gifted him with the interpretation of these dreams. So he tells one one of these these guys, one of these officials, you know what? Hey, sorry, you're about to die a horrible death, and an example is going to be made of your remains. However, the other official, Joseph, tells him, "Hey, don't worry. Just a few days, you're going to be restored to your position. You're going to be okay." And then he simply asks him, hey, when you get restored to your position, please, please don't forget about me and tell the Pharaoh about me. Sure enough, that official is restored and then promptly forgets for a while. See, the key, the key here, though, the takeaway is we need to work diligently. We need to stay focused on what God's placed in front of us and not get caught up and the bad things that are happening to us and around us. we got to keep our eye on God. we need to keep our eye on Jesus. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. Matter of fact, it's far from it. The Bible doesn't tell us we're going to have an easy life. In fact, it tells us the opposite, that things are going to be tough for us because we're followers of Christ. Straight up, life is going to be hard. Sometimes it's just downright going to suck. But we stay focused on God, and we know things are going to be okay. Things are going to work out. And it's going to be even better when we reach the finish line, right? Now, in chapter 41, that official finally remembers Joseph. Things finally click for him when Joseph, I'm sorry, when the Pharaoh needs to have this dream interpreted for him. 
So the official, he finally remembers Joseph say, oh, yeah. See, the Pharaoh, he's having his dream. It's troubling him. There's, it's very detailed. It's very vivid. A lot of stuff's happening. And he reached out to everyone he could think of. You know, we're talking magicians, wise men, you know, uh, everyone he could think of. And not a single one of them could tell him about his dream. So this official, you know, he, he tells Pharaoh, hey, I was in jail, you know, and this guy, he interpreted my dream and he's been wrongly, wrong, been wrongfully imprisoned. Um, so Pharaoh's set for Joseph. Joseph gets cleaned up and he goes in, you know, and uh, Pharaoh tells him, hey, I'm having these dreams. I need it interpreted. He's like, hey, you know what? Sorry. I can't interpret the dream. However, God can. He gave the credit to God, the one it, be- it truly belonged to, the glory, the victory of God's. Because on his own, could he do it? No, absolutely not. God had to intervene here. So, and then and you think about it, he's standing here, you know, and basically, Pharaoh's been telling like, hey, I was told you can do this. And he's like, no, God can. And that's a pretty bold statement to make. To the highest man in the land, in a land where they still worshipped several gods. And then he went on to tell Pharaoh, you know, it's like, you know what? Let me tell you what God's telling you in this dream. And he told him what was coming and how to plan for it. And because of this, Pharaoh now saw Joseph as Potiphar once had. As someone who could be entrusted with the greatest control. Joseph not only was no longer jailed, but elevated to one of the highest levels possible at that time. One of the highest levels imaginable at that time. Joseph was now higher than even Potiphar was. He was now in charge of all of Pharaoh's palace and all of his people. Joseph, he he got back up. That 10 count hadn't been made yet. He's back up. He's back in the fight and swinging like a champ. Boom. After this, he was promoted again to Pharaoh's second in command. Pharaoh even said, you know, you, you know you're going to be the highest. I'll only be higher to you on the throne. Life was good. He was in charge of all of Egypt, not just part of it, not just a slim piece of it, all of it. That's how much the Pharaoh trusted him. Now, in chapters 42, 43, and 44, Joseph has a reunion of sorts with his brothers. All right, the famine, there's a famine going on. They're coming, they're, you know, their dad has sent them. They're trying to, to you know, get food and all that kind of stuff. You know, these are the same brothers who had sold him years prior. Now, the thing here, though, is they didn't recognize Joseph at this point. You know, a lot of time had passed. And likely, because of Joseph's position, they're not even expecting it to be him. So Joseph, he has a little bit of fun. He, kind of, he toys with them a bit. It's not until chapter 45... That he makes himself known to them. Not only has his own dream from their youth come to pass, but he shows kindness. 
Not anger. He could have. But he shows kindness, not anger. Love, not disdain. The Bible says this in Genesis 45, verse 5. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Ah, the big picture is starting to show itself, isn't it? Joseph was put into a position to save the lives of a nation. Not just a couple, thousands. You know, we we focus on the now. That is our tendency. That is part of the human condition. We focus on the now. And for Joseph, it was several years, decades even, an entire lifetime that he was being built up and, you know, and, and, and prosperous, you know, successful. You know, that's what that word prosperous, prosperous means is that he was, he was made successful by God, you know, because God had this plan for him. And not only that, but even in the hardest times and with the biggest struggles, Joseph stayed loyal to him. You see, in life, we see a small episode during the time that it's happening. We don't see the story arc that's coming. We don't know where things are headed. Each day is just a frame in the big motion picture of life. In the film, Rocky Balboa, um, Sylvester Stallone's character, um, he says this, You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. And it's true. We're going to experience a lot of hardship, a lot of obstacles, a lot of hard hits in life. Sometimes it's going to come one hit at a time. Other times we're going to be absolutely stunned because of how fast and how, how unrelenting it's going to be. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 5, the Bible says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. It goes on to tell us in James 1 verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So hardships, obstacles, they're inevitable. They are inevitable. It's going to happen. As painful as they may be, they're meant to mold us into what God has planned for us, into the people he wants us to become. And they're made to remind us to look to him, not just to rely on ourselves, but to rely on him. 
life can be compared to boot camp or basic training for the kingdom. You know, and you think about military boot camp, basic training, um, those have gone to law enforcement, fire academies, you know, they, they tear you down and they build you up. You know, the world is going to tear us all down. The world wants us to be less than who we are. You know, that's, that's, that's Satan. That's the devil. He wants us to be lesser than. However, God, he then guides us through those obstacles. He guides us through the successes and the defeats, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, so that in the end, we are built up stronger and wiser and better prepared and able to serve the mission that he has for us and to serve his kingdom. Life is our training ground and the Bible is our manual through it. That is our hope. That is our future. Those who have served, you know, let's face it, we take a lot of pride in the training, the different schools that we went to and the, our service, the different things that we did, the places that we went to. And, you know, and if this is something that is so great, how much better, how much bigger, how much more awesome is it going to be for each and every one of us as a member of God's kingdom, of God's army, of God's family? Now, we also need to remember with, with these things, you know, it's not just about us. Yeah, it happens to us, but it happens to all of us. We need to remember the hardships, they also came for Jesus. However, we don't walk through them alone. Like I said, Jesus is there with us. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus tells us, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, right there, even Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have trouble. So for those of you who like to say, you know, live your best life now, no, no. Because if this is your best life, then that's saying that the kingdom to come is not going to be at that level. And it's going to be so much better. So much better. Life is hard. And sometimes it's hard to remember that we need to keep our eye on Jesus. We need to look to Jesus. We need to depend on him. However, it's at these times that we need him the most. So I encourage you. I implore you. Go to him. Tell him your hurt. Tell him your worry. Tell him your struggle. And be bold about it. Don't sugarcoat it. He he wants the real you, the true you. He wants that ugly part of you that just lets those tears out or that anger out and that frustration because we all have struggles. However, they will not last forever. And Jesus, he's there with you, with me, with all of us to help us all get back up every time the world knocks us down. So I encourage you, get back in the fight. Listen to what Jesus is telling you to do. And if you do that, 
That is how you're going to win the fight. All right, y'all are a blessing. Go be the church. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on our website at bethelightsanctuary.org or on Facebook at Be The Light Sanctuary. We'll catch you next time. God bless.